Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, Invest Hers, we have Kara Beckman with the Beckman House. She does so many amazing things when it comes to designing and fixing and really flipping houses. And what, it, what I think you'll enjoy the most out of today's episode is, is really around mindset. And she really talks a lot about how you can be frugal and abundant at the same time. Well, I truly love Kara's design. If you check her Instagram page, it's just really, really amazing of cool design who need ideas. That's her girl. Uh, but one, one thing that she mentioned is the importance of having your house staged until the appraisal comes. And I'm not going to talk more about it. You can listen to it because she shared very, very great golden nuggets about the importance of being an active and passive investor at the same time. So check the show out. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent to Retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high cash flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are on a very big mission as we'd like to share helping women, empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life. And we do that in a lot of ways. We have a growing community, right, Andressa? Yes. Lots of things happening in our community, but it's all about the women we serve. And we have you in mind as we put our, out our podcasts and we have a growing membership. Uh, we have a growing fill-in-the-blank meetups across the country and the world. So we just appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us for another week. We have Kara Beckman on our show today. Kara, thank you so much for making the time to be with us and share your wisdom with the women listening. So thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. We have a weekly podcast, obviously, that we interview amazing women like Kara. We also do mini-sodes where Andressa and I share literally a 
quick shot of espresso or a shot of whatever is your wisdom. interest, wisdom, or a shot of something else. No, um, about something else that's useful or ho- hopefully helpful to you. So those those are our podcasts, off, you know, what we offer. And we just appreciate you so much for listening and being on this journey with us because it is a journey. And we like to remind you, women, listening, it's a journey. So it doesn't happen in a day. Uh, be kind and gentle with yourself. So uh, we always like to share the, uh, with, as we jump into our episode, we always like to share a quick little tip or a story mm-hmm. with some sort of lesson uh, that we can kind of provide you with. So, so this week, um, I oh, or actually the last few weeks, I know it's, <laughs> I so, started laughing because I know you are I laughing. Know I told on dress, I'm like, I'll take this one. I so, know a couple of things that happen and, and you know, you know, those pictures, when you receive a picture, they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? But it like, it's so cute at the same time. And you, it's, it, you want to laugh too. So strangle them. So <laughs> what we're talking about here is I have a, I have a, a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, literally within the next few weeks, she'll be four. And she, um, you know, she's the second. So I have an older son who's seven. And as they say, the second or the third, whomever, are the more like the rule breakers. And they're just a little more like beat to their own drummer. So my daughter is definitely up living into that. And, and just literally in the last three weeks, she has put a raisin up her nose. She has cut her own hair. She has, we thought she swallowed a battery, yeah. but she didn't. Thank she God. She was so we went cute to- on the gown though. We went to the emergency room. Um, she has like hid food and then we found, we find it later. Um, she's wrapped up a doll with, with tape on the mouth. And like, it looks like, you know, somewhat she's been watching serial killer movies, but she hasn't. I mean, like it just, the list goes on and on all funny. She like put it like literally like last week, she's like, there's a raisin in my nose. I'm like, blow your nose. And I'm like, what is going on with this child? You know? So it's just like these funny little moments. Well, not at the time with the battery. That wasn't funny. Yeah. Cause that could have really hurt her. Yeah. But she's like, you know, is she doing it for attention? Like she put, she's putting everything in her mouth this morning, you know, like I was standing there and she's, she just spits out this little, this little, um, this little like, di- like thing looked like a dime, but it wasn't a dime. And I said, Sammy, how many times do I need to tell you don't put anything in your mouth? That's she's almost four. It's not like she's a baby. She's like, I don't do this at school. So I guess what I'm, what I'm saying, and I, I think this is like somewhat like frustrating, of course, funny in some ways, I got to write this to her. So she knows how much of a little rule breaker she's been lately and giving me, give me a heart attack, but she's, she's got a certain personality. And I know this because I used to live in the personality world, right. Of teaching people, but it's hard to remember that as a parent, it's hard to remember that in the moment of like, what are you doing? Like, really, what are you doing with the raisin up your nose? I don't need to go to the emergency again. I went to the emergency room already once this month, but I have to remember that she's got a certain personality. I have to, I have to like look for ways so she can do that in a positive way. Cause clearly she wants to do it and, and, and getting attention is one way she's doing it. I don't know. I got to read some parenting blogs to be honest with you to get some support here. But regardless of that, I do need to honor who she is. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us honoring who we are, but also, you know, the kids in our life, the children in our life, because sometimes what they do can make us nutty. But if I remember, you know, okay, this is going to serve her one day, right? She's kind of like pushing her limits. I think she's going to be a little bit of more of a pushing limit kind of person. And I, and I'm going to love that about her. I mean, of course I want a daughter who can do that. Right. Of what we do here at the investor community, but it's making me a little nutty right now, to be honest. So (laughs) that's the story I got for you. That's the lesson is honor the the personalities in our youth. (laughs) You know, I, I, I love her to pieces and she is such a cute pie and you look at her, you can be mad at her. Right. So I, 
I love what you're saying, Liz, and like for all the investors that are thinking about like building teams and like how the personality is important. My mom always say, you cannot request from people what they don't have to give, right? So same thing with the personality, you gotta honor their trades and what they mm -hmm. have so you can bounce out of it and not request what they don't have, right? Yeah. So it's just it's just embracing the beauty in the middle of chaos. And that's hard to do, but we need to do that as parents. It is, you know, you have to remind yourself of that. Cause if not, I'm like, oh my God, is she gonna be a serial killer? Hopefully not. <laughs> That won't be good. So on that note, Kara, thank you so much for being on our show. We have so much to, to dive in. Uh, Kara has such an amazing background, as you heard in our, our intro that we, we, we shared. Kara, we always ask the women uh, joining us, great women that we, we interview, is what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? Well, that's a whole story in itself. It was mm -hmm. definitely a journey, and it's something that... Um, in a, in a way, kind of just fell into my lap. It's not something that I had always dreamed in to do, to be a real estate investor. And um, to make a very long story short, I found myself kind of stuck in a retail job and I thrive in creativity. And I just got to a place where I could no longer see myself or accept the fact that I could be in that same position a year from now. And I think when you get to a point where you're just kind of push in a corner, that's where you make a big change. And so rather than quitting my day job at the time, because I needed that W-2 income to fund my properties, I kind of, um, you know, had to, had to appreciate the position that I was in. So I, I'm at this job. I don't like the job, but I had to appreciate the fact that I could use that job to fund this new venture that I wanted to try. And for me, I didn't know any real estate investors at the time. So it was literally diving in, learning as I went, not falling into analysis paralysis, which is so easy to do <laughs> and thinking, okay, I don't know the next 10 steps, but I can figure out step two. And once I figure out step two, I can figure out step three. Once I figure out step three, I can figure out step four. And now I know the 10 steps. And so these little steps that I was making towards this new career that I was falling into, um, the little steps became huge leaps when I looked back. And after investing in a few properties, I did a few fix and flips. I purchased a rental property, all while working at my day job. <laughs> so I'm using my day job to, to fund my side hustle. And I think there is something really valuable about doing that. And that's how the journey began. And then after I found, after I figured out, okay, this is something that I like doing because fixing and flipping is a job. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that if you're not in it, it might look very easy and it's a, it look, might look glamorous when you're just looking at the before and afters, but it's, it's really anything but that. And so another thing that's really important is to try this before you go all in to make sure it's something that you like doing. And I found out that I loved it. I loved every step of it. And, um, Ultimately, I ended up quitting my day job and doing this full time. You know, Kara, I want to highlight what you're saying right now, but it's like super, super important because 
You know, as real estate investors, we have this thing about like, oh, W2, you, are, you, are an, you have an employee mindset. How can you possibly be working for somebody? And I want to highlight what Carrie is saying is that she used the W2, she leveraged, there is value, there is power. So don't just watch two, three episodes of HGTV and say, oh, I love to do that. And just quit your job the next day right. and let go, right? And I, I love the transition period. Leverage your W-2, your bankable, right? And then the piece about the trying, try it out because it's not as pretty, right? When you go inside a rehab, it does not, I'm guaranteeing you right now, does not smell good, right? <laughs> does not, right? It smells money in different ways, but it is not as pretty. So Kara, for, for this transition that, that you went through, I commend you for that. One thing that a lot of women get into is the analysis paralysis, because we want to have the entire plan figured out before we jumped in. Yes. You mentioned that you took one step and then that take other steps, but mentally, how did you pass through your, oh, but if, but if that happened, if that happens, how about I don't know this, what's gonna happen? How does like mental self-talk, how did you overcome that? Well, that's where I think when I, was so unhappy with my position. When you're so unhappy, there's no looking back. You just have to do what you have to do in order to change your, your current position. And so that's the difference where, you know, you look at any successful entrepreneur and nine times out of 10, they're so successful because the drive was so strong. And so they're not looking at obstacles as obstacles. They're asking themselves different questions. The mindset is just different. So rather than looking at this obstacle and saying, well, I have this big obstacle in front of me. I can't, I can't move that. You know, a successful entrepreneur is saying, okay, how can I climb over it? How can I, maybe I need a team and we can build a ropes course over this obstacle. You know, you just have to look at things differently. And also you have to be appreciative for that job that you don't like. And once I kind of shifted that mindset, that's where things started to grow. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and it's, it's so important to note because you know, I think you're right, especially from a bankable perspective, having a W-2 is so important. I remember when we, when we both, my husband and I both quit our job and, and, you know, I did it early on and then I went back to it a couple of times, but regardless, you didn't, you don't realize the impact, right? And, and now it doesn't really matter uh, as much because, you know, banks look at different things, but when we started, it did, it was a big deal actually. And it's like, hold on. Oh, wow. I didn't realize how important that was, you know, right. and, you know, and you, you really need to think through all those strategies. So, so for your first project, Kara, you did a flip and then you have this now design business that you're doing. I know you're doing design work for your own projects and others, and just, you have built this enormous following too. Was design always in your blood? Was it always an interest of yours? Did you realize that on, under your first, during your first flip? Like, I'm curious how, especially with your background as a, as a pastry chef, yes. how did you like just jump into this love and, and quite honestly, an enormous skill set 
um, and, and, and really you're very, very good at it. How did, how did that get born? How did that get kind of realized, if you will? Well, thank you. Yes, I don't think we mentioned it on this podcast. I've mentioned it on previous podcasts, but yes, my formal training is in patisserie and baking. So I was, a, I'm a formally trained pastry chef. And so that's where the creativity piece comes in. You know, yeah. I, I've compared making beautiful cakes and wedding cakes to a house. I look at houses as a blank canvas and that's where I can come in and add beautiful tile or lighting fixtures and really have fun with the design. Mm. And to answer your question, when I started my company, Beck, house. It was just for my own fix and flips and rental properties. I had never planned on taking on design clients. And it was, I believe around my fourth flip, I started my Instagram account Beckman house. And that was really just for my own way. It was my own way to track my projects. It was a great way for me to look back and see my before and after pictures. And it kind of became a track record um, for, for the journey of Beckman house and through Instagram clients started contacting me saying, can you do that to my bathroom? Or can you do that design to my kitchen? And for a long time, I, I said, no, this is just something that I do. Um, because, you know, I just left this, this W2 job. I didn't want another boss essentially. And so I needed time just to do my own thing and have fun. And after a while I thought, okay, I'm a lot of my money, almost all of my money was going out on these fix and flips. Being in a, a real estate investor sometimes <laughs> feels like a financial roller coaster. You get a lot of money and then it all goes when you're investing in another property. And so I thought, you know, it could be nice to have some money coming in because then I can take that money from client projects and fund more investment projects. And um, I think it was, it was a very, it wasn't pivoting in a sense, it, you know, it wasn't so far away from what I had set out to do, but it almost complemented what I was already doing. And so when you can find something like that, where now you're having, you have multiple streams of income. Um, and if it makes sense, I think you should go for it. And yeah. so I did, I thought, okay, I can try this out. If I don't like it, that's fine too. And I'll just keep doing my own investment properties. And, and I loved it. And, and I found out that it allowed me clients will have different budgets on their projects than I have on my flips, depending. And it allowed me to try different things and try new patterns with tile or try wallpaper or try pops of color in certain <laughs> rooms. And it was just so fun because again, it's just being creative and every project is so different. And now I have clients who some of them have a very modern aesthetic that they want me to incorporate in the design. And some have a very traditional design aesthetic that they would like me to incorporate. And so it's, you, it's just fun for me. And when you can find something that aligns with your passion and it's bringing you income, I think that's a win-win. Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, what I, what I wanted to also just share with the women listening is this, this whole idea of being mindful of having an having a plan for active income and passive income. Because so many times when people quit their jobs or want to segue out, right? They don't enjoy what they're doing. They want to do this full time. You know, you know, building passive income takes time, right? It's not like, it's not just like this one and done. <laughs> it's an enormous project and you completely own the whole project. That's different. That's awesome if, that go, if that's what happens for you. But for a lot of people, it builds as, as you increase your rental portfolio. 
And um, it's just, you know, I think about when we got, when we got, when we began, I wish we had a better plan for active income mm-hmm. versus just active and passive. That would have been really helpful as we made our, our leap. Um, our active plan was, I was working right full time. You know, I was working as a consultant in that, in a, in a, in a consulting firm, my husband quit his job. It wasn't like he quit his job and we were making enough money to cover it. We didn't do it that way. You know, um, there's no right or wrong, but my point in saying this for the women listening is, you know, to be mindful of having like an active income plan and a passive income plan is you're kind of, to your point, if you could use your skill set and it's connected, like you said, it, it's not like this random business over here. It's so connected to what you're doing. It actually probably makes you a better investor, I would imagine, because you have now, you've opened up your whole creativity of, yeah, I used to do that. I did that for that project that could really work here. So it's just, um, I think it's a really neat approach. I don't think that gets talked enough enough with people about, you know, for people that are like, Oh, I just got that active income is trading my time for money. I don't do that anymore. Well, that's great if that's where you are, but if you're trying to make a transition and have money to put into those passive income projects, that makes sense. It it can make very good sense. I, I wish we did more of that. Um, so segueing into the design piece. So this is coming from someone who, I don't know if you describe me, my friends and family said, Liz, let me tell her her top five qualities. (laughs) She's amazing with design. That's not one of them. I don't even know if it'd be on a top 10. I don't know if it honestly be even on a top 50, to be perfectly frank. My design is not going that way. Yeah, I was totally going that way. I am a horrible at design, to be honest with you. So this is coming from someone who's not on anywhere near your, 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 your ballpark, Kara. Okay. So when it comes to people doing fix and flips, they're doing Airbnb, they're doing all these different, you know, products, if you will. Uh, that it design matters, right? You know, some of your rental grade units, a lot of the multifamily stuff that we do design is, you know, not the highest in number one. It's, it's really, how do we put something in that's durable and we take right. care of our, our units. That's really where I come from, especially from an investing perspective, but other things we've considered other things we're involved in design matters. So for the, for the non-design people listening, cause I know you're out there, ladies, you're not, you're like me, I'm not going to design. What would you say are some really critical things to think about when you are in, you know, you're, you're, you're either in a fix and flip or you're, you're furnishing an Airbnb. What are some just important things that don't get thought about are not expensive. I'm sure you know, these that they can just kind of think about. Is there, is there some like a thinking way about design that they can just kind of plug into a little bit so they don't, we're not as bad as, you know, we are. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the biggest tip is if you don't know, what you're doing as far as the design, just stay neutral because you might, you might love the color red, but red is not necessarily appealing to the masses. So I would, I wouldn't suggest doing a red backsplash. You know, if you stay neutral, your whites, your taupes, a little bit of gray here and there, gray is slowly trickling out a little bit. Um, we're seeing more wood tones right now, Mm -hmm. but just to stay neutral, less is more, Um, and then also Instagram, Pinterest, those are great ways to find inspiration. So you could look at neutral kitchens, neutral bathrooms, and just do something very similar to that. I would make sure that the design is cohesive. So every, so I wouldn't do a bathroom that's super modern when the overall feel is more traditional and that, that goes a long way just to stay neutral, clean, we do a lot, I call it clean designs where maybe it's all white tile, but I'm doing a fun pattern lay on the tile. And I love 
neutral tiles that have a lot of texture. I think that's really fun mm. because it's something interesting. It's not a white subway tile. Maybe it's an elongated subway with a chiseled edge. So it's just a little different, but it still is going to appeal to a lot of people. Mm. And I also think that for well, Airbnbs, you would have to, but even for fix and flip staging goes a long way. I had a fix and flip once where I stage all of my flips, a lot of 90% of it is my own furniture. So by the time that <laughs> the flip is done, my house is like empty. Um, but we had, it's beautifully staged and it makes such a big difference. So the house went under contract and I wanted my furniture back. So I oh. destaged it before the appraisal. And I am convinced it came, the appraisal came in low. I want to say on that one, it might've been $5,000 under their appraisal um, or under the, what we were under contract uh -huh. at. And to this day, I'm convinced that mm. it's because I destaged it. And so now mm. I leave all of the houses staged until after the appraisal. And I asked an appraiser this once, because again, I was so convinced right. As I, I destaged the house and he said, you know, it shouldn't matter. However, when you walk into a house and it's fully staged, it also gives you a perceived value and you can just envision yourself living there. And it just looks different when all of the furniture is out of the house. Yes, of course, it's still valuable. And all of the money that we put into the renovation didn't change, but something about a staged home, it gives you a different perception of value. So that's a little tip. Oh my gosh, that's that's good. Thing. Now I'm like thinking ahead, thinking in my head, which houses uh, was staged <laughs> an appraisal came in. <laughs> but that's that's great because it's just a perception, right? We want the the buyers, the appraisal person to come and and have that same. You might not. It's just the feeling, not as much how much it really cost is the the feeling of it. How how do you feel? So I just want to, for a lot of people that are doing their couple first flips, what are the biggest mistakes that you wish, you know, the last is not mistakes, but let me rephrase it. The biggest lessons that you learn when you got started and you wish you knew then. There's so many lessons. Even, <laughs> even now I am still learning on projects. I'm learning on investment projects. I'm learning on client projects. I would say some of the biggest lessons early on, um, don't over renovate. Uh, you, you have to look at um, what houses are selling for in your current market and don't over renovate just because it's fun. And just, you know, that's super important because it won't appraise. If, if the other houses are not selling, they're capping out at a certain after renovation value and you're putting too much money into the renovation, you're not going to make the profit. Oh, right. but the you toilet, to. automatic toilet, Kara, yes. it looks so much fun. <laughs> I know. I know it does. And you'll get there, but maybe it's not that particular flip. Um, so that was a big lesson. Um, also, this is something that I did from the very beginning. I do it to this day. And I track every single, I have spreadsheets that I'm constantly tracking every single receipt. It doesn't matter if it's $5 spent at Home Depot that's going in the spreadsheet and they are updated on a daily or weekly basis. That way I know when I'm halfway through the renovation, maybe my material costs are significantly 
higher than what I intended them to be, then I can cut down on the, uh, maybe I haven't sourced my dining room chandelier yet, and then I'm going to have to trim back on that. So keeping your spreadsheets up to date is super, super important. Every payment you're paying your contractor, um, everything needs to go on your spreadsheet. And then the other lesson that I would say is super important is really vetting your contractor. Now, of course, when you are just getting started, for me, you know, when I started, I didn't know any contractors. So I'm asking for personal recommendations from people who have used contractors. That's one of the best ways to get a referral or a name of a contractor because if someone's referring them, they obviously had a good experience because you hear horror stories of contractors <laughs> walking off on the job, you know, halfway in with all your money. So vetting your contractors, asking them how big is their crew? If they only have a team of two, it's probably not the best contractor for your job because you want to get in and out. And um, I would also, you can ask to see their past projects, you can call their past clients and make sure that they're happy with them. And one thing that I learned too, you can set up payment, different payment structures with your contractor. So I had a contractor a few flips ago where he had done probably five or six of my projects. And then I noticed he would give me a lead time. Okay, we're, we'll be done with this project in six weeks. And then it was always two more weeks, two more weeks. And so what I started doing with him, if we finish this project in six weeks, you agree on six weeks, I agree on six weeks. If we both think that's fair, I'll give you $100 for every week you finish early. And if we go over six weeks, I'm taking $100 out of the final payment every week we go after the six weeks. And we would finish on time every time. So, you know, you can have those payment structure set in place where it's a win-win either way. Well, not, it's a win-win if he finishes early, but either way, you know, he's going to get the job done. Love that. Yeah. And that's so important. I know on Jess's, uh, you speaking her, her, her language I, right my now. Love language, yeah. <laughs> Your love language is construction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your love language is construction management. No, but it's so critical because you don't know what you don't know, especially when you start out and it, you could just get taken. It's so easy. Um, because you're looking at experts. You're looking at that. Oh, they know more than I do. Right. Yeah. One other thing that is really important to your point, um, you know, especially a woman in this industry, I think a lot of contractors just don't think that, you know, construction and I didn't know construction. And so it was important for me to learn construction because it's very easy, easy to get taken advantage of because you don't know what you don't know. So on one of my flips, I hired all of all subcontractors to teach me how to do everything. So I was in there with the electrician wiring can lights. This way, I know how long it should take. I know the material costs. Mm. Um, I painted the whole house. I helped install baseboards and hand painted all of the baseboards in the whole house. I was doing demo with them um, because when you're doing the work, not only do you have a different appreciation for all of your subcontractors, but you know, more importantly, maybe how long these different steps should take. Love that. I love that idea too, is no matter what niche you're in and investing, just getting into the, to the, to the trenches, if you will. Yeah. Um, I'm so grateful that we self-managed our units for, 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 you know, the first many years, actually the first 10 years of what we were doing in terms of rentals. I'm grateful for that. Maybe we should have transitioned a little sooner, but regardless, like I know how, you know, same thing. I know 
I know how to deal with, we know how to deal with tenants. We know how long vacancies should be, you know, be, be, uh, you know, happening. And, you know, you don't want many of them, just the whole, the whole thing. And in the whole business of property management, if you will, because you're not gonna be able to manage the property manager to your point, you're not gonna be able to manage the, sub, the, the, the contractor if you don't know what things take, how long things take. So no matter what niche you're in ladies, getting into the trenches is really important. And I feel like there's so many podcasts, like how can I, how can I lead a team and not do anything? And that's great. That's an awesome place to get to, but you also have to make sure you, you're leading a team in the right way. They're not going to like tell you one thing. I mean, then do another. And I think that doesn't get talked about enough. And I think it needs to, and it's, there's a lot of value in that. I, I think as well, you know, it's so important. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. So in terms of, you shared something uh, when we asked you some questions, Karen, I want to jump into this because I think there's a lot of value here. And I, I love what you said, not love what you said, but I, I, I like the story. And I want to just talk about, it. you said you purchased a home with a card draw. I'm, thinking, I'm assuming that's a credit card draw. Oh, gosh. And you didn't know how you would fund it. All right. 
um, and it needed to close in 10 days. So I just want to talk about that because you want to talk about how you get things done. Uh, we've done that. Not Again, that's not you know something I want to continue to do, but I did it and we did it and it helped us in a lot of ways early on. So I'm curious to understand that a little bit for you, what, what that project looked like, how did it work? Yes. You know, just talk about that because I think that's going to give a lot of value to our listeners. Absolutely. Well, here we go. So I, <laughs> my wholesaler called me and I was just wrapping up another wholesale deal that I just, that we just, it was a fix and flip and we're finishing the remodel. And I also purchased a rental property and um, fixing that up as well. So I was completely strapped for cash. I had, um, I had $10,100 left in my bank but I still had to finish these rehabs. And the wholesaler calls me and he said, I have the perfect house for you. And I said, I can't look at it. I can't fund another project right now. And he said, no, this isn't the zip code that you like. And it was the same zip code that I was just fixing my other fix and flip on. And he said, it's, it's the square footage that you like. And I really think you need to come and see this. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll come by. So I pull up to the house and on the other two deals that I purchased from him, I was always the first investor there and how these wholesale deals work. You're not negotiating the price. The wholesaler says, this is the price you take it or leave it. But the first investor that calls it essentially gets the deal. So I go to this house and there's so many investors, three dozen investors, at least wow. and I'm trying to take a video. I can't even take a video of the house because there's people everywhere. So walk the house, I'm like, yeah, this is a really great house. It's a split floor plan, um, great size with a pool, just a, a good house. And I'm at worst, I'm standing right outside the front door with the wholesaler. And I said, it's a great house, but I can't, I can't do it. And this guy walks out of the house so confident. And he said, I'll take it. I'll take it. And the wholesaler and I look at this guy and I look at my wholesaler and I said, if he's in, I'm in not knowing how I'm going to fund this deal, but I did not want to get beat out by this guy. And I said, well, how does this work if he wants the deal and I want the deal? And he said, oh, there's 15 other investors that want this. So we're going to draw cards, a deck of cards, playing cards. Oh, so, so that's what oh, I yes. credit card. No. Oh, that's no. really funny. Okay. That's, that's, that's very funny. <laughs> so we're standing outside of this house with all of these investors standing by and any investor who was in and um, drew a card. And so I'm scared to death. I have the card <laughs> held so tightly against my thigh. I don't even want to look at this card. And, and everyone's putting their cards down on the back of this contractor's truck bed. And they're all like a 10 of spades, eight. And I turn my, I'm the last one to put my card down. And I turn it over and it's the queen of hearts. <laughs> And I looked at my wholesaler. He's like, you got the house. So I, I felt sick. I felt sick to my stomach because I know how many more bills I still have and how many more payments I still need to do on the two projects I was right in the middle of. And with these wholesale deals, it's a $10,000 non-refundable payment hmm. right away. I had $10,100 in my bank in all of my accounts. Like that was everything I had. And I had no idea how I was going to fund this project. We had, I want to say that was a 10 day close over Christmas. So we're short a day because no banks are open during Christmas. I don't think I slept at all. 
and I'm calling everyone I knew and basically saying, okay, you said you'd invest with me. This is what I need. We needed cash. It was a quick close. And I remember I went to, um, I went to someone who had said him and his partner would love to invest with me. So I said, okay, here we go. I have this deal. This, these are the numbers. <laughs> this is it. rehab costs. This That's is your after renovation value. Now's your chance. And he said, why would you buy a deal if you don't know how you're going to fund it? And I said, well, you're not my partner <laughs> on to the next. And um, well. I ultimately found someone who um, came into partner with me and we structured it in a way where um they would put down the, the full down payment. They would pay me back the $10,000. Luckily I got the fix and flip finished and sold in time where I was able to fund the rehab and it all worked out in the end, but that was very scary. But again, like you have to take risks. You just have to. And that kind of goes back to what I'm so familiar with doing. You dive in and you figure it out as you go. I love it. That's really, well, first off, I think it's so funny that I read that as a card draw, like a credit card draw first <laughs> off. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've done that. And that wasn't the smartest thing to do, but not that that, that I was saying that, but it was just, I'm like, Oh, that you literally were drawing a card from a deck. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was meant to be. That was meant to be. Well, and I love that. I love the resilience because you're right. You do have to take risks and those risks then lead you to the next project and you do whatever it takes, right. To, to, to get that done. I know for, for us, when we did borrow against a credit card early on, we were short about $15,000 of a project. And I'm like, we need to get the money somehow. And that was really the, the resource that we had. And, you know, we paid that off and everything. Um, you know, is that something I want to like keep doing? Probably not. It's not the best use of, of being fiscally responsible, but did that get us the project complete and move us along? Yes. So right. in hindsight, I'm grateful. And, and to your point, it's like you figure it out. Um, think about, think about people like ladies listening, think about how long we, we take to make decisions. Kara didn't, was not afforded that, you know, like by saying like, I'm doing this, I got 10 days, you become resourceful in a way that you didn't know you even thought you had probably, yeah, exactly. which is like amazing. And I think we don't often come from that place. Like, oh, I have all the time in the world to figure this out. No, you had 10 days, you know? So I think there's a lot of value to that. Kind of putting that pressure. You didn't get sleep, right? You probably lost. You probably, you probably have to start flipping over couch cushions. <laughs> I, I imagine because, you know, sometimes when I look around, what can I sell? Right. The, right. the mindset is like, I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. But I think that we all, as Liz saying, we, we keep that bridge behind us. And sometimes we need to just burn that bridge so we're able to transition to better places, better things. And, you know, the, the, the mindset, it comes down to the mindset. That is the time where you know how resourceful you can be. That is why it's so important to build relationships throughout your journey at all times. I'm always looking for a contractor. It doesn't matter if I have a project or if I don't get in contact, being like something that I learned from Liz was just like mindful networking. I don't want to go to a networking event when we were in 19. Remember when we were <laughs> years ago, when we actually got person. together. Yeah. 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 Right. But getting like cards, I found a bunch of like business cards and I told my mom, my mom, like throw it out. I don't know who those people are. I have no clue because I didn't make any notes or anything, but like, 
when you are mindful of connecting with people and saying, okay, what do you do? Well, how can we possibly make a connection in the future? That's when things, good things happen, right? Not bad things, but when good things happen, then you're like tap on those resources. Yes. I want to ask you a question, Kara, about like scaling, right? Because when you were doing exactly what you were saying, when you were doing one project, then you have the resources and everything else. But then when good things start happening and then you have three, oh, oh, no, don't bring me another great deal, right? <laughs> you're like, no, universe, no, I cannot see that right? When, when you are scaling, what are the things, the lessons again, that you think is like crucial for people to be successful if you're they're they're looking to do multiple projects at the same time? Oh, there's so many great ways to answer this question. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that I'm going to say, so when I started my business, I was, I was coming from a very frugal mentality. I was looking at every single dime that I was spending. Um, And I still am like that to a certain extent. I'm a huge saver, which is how I was able to do this. So, you know, it's, it, there's a fine line between a frugal mentality and living with an abundant mindset. And I think that was the mindset shift that I had to make in order to um, scale and grow the company. So when you are living with an abundant mindset, you're not looking at the cost of an employee, for an example, you're looking at that employee as an investment and and they're going to help you grow your company. So it's a very different mindset. Um, And I think that that single-handedly was very important. Also with giving, you know, if you have a very frugal mentality, you're not giving to charities and you're not giving things away. And I'm such a huge believer. It's if, you, if you're giving abundantly, all that is going to come back to you. And maybe it's not giving in a, a monetary sense, but giving educational value or, um, you know, just spending time to educate people or spending time with, um, you know, you know, whatever that looks like for you. But I think having an abundant mindset is really important when you're trying to scale your business and, figuring out where your time is best spent. So it got to a place where my best, my highest and best use of time was not doing demo with the subcontractors is how is, even though that was super fun for me, that is not time well spent. Um, And so to hire people when you need to hire them, also goes back to having an abundant mindset. Maybe everything can't be a DIY project to save money. Um, and then also tracking where you want your business to go is super, super important. It's hard to know when you've hit your goal if you don't have a goal set for yourself. And on the contrary, if you have your goals uh, that, that you've set for yourself and then you're on track to surpass them, you need to set higher goals. I love that. I love that idea of, cause I'm also very frugal. I often call myself cheap and Andressa says, you're not cheap, you're frugal. And I'm like, I like that. I like frugal better. Although I feel like I am cheap sometimes, but that's a really good point. You could have a frugal mentality, but have this like abundance mindset. And those two things, it's not either, or you can actually live in both of those. And I think that's actually a really, really good point. Um, really good insight. Cause I think it attracts a lot of women get attracted to being kind of like the, the, the more conservative, they don't want to overspend and that's wonderful. But then 
where might that limit you? Right. I was just going to say, maybe choose what you're spending abundantly on. You know, I've, I've driven the same car for going on 12 years now. And could I buy a new car? Probably so. But you know, right now I'm more focused on putting that money back into my business. And so it's so easy on Instagram and in the day and age we're in that you want to have the nicest, the newest, everything. Yeah. But is that going to give you a good return on your money? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love shopping at Marshall's. It's one of my favorite stores. I will always shop at Marshall's. <laughs> it's literally one of my favorite things to do. I go and look for the things. It's just like a fun yes. experience. I, I love thrift. Yeah, yeah. Home goods. I love, yeah. I love, you know, and you really have to, like, you're right. It's like, you know, where you want to spend that money, where you want to be abundant, you know, and I love that. Um, great, great insight. Um, Cara, this has been awesome. Uh, appreciate you sharing all your great insight uh, with, with the woman listening. Where can they uh, learn more about you and all the great projects you're up to. Yes. They can follow me on Beckman house on Instagram. It's definitely where I'm the most active and I try the best as I can to give you guys all a really good insight on all the projects that we're working on through stories and kind of show the whole progress of everything. Awesome. And we're going to put the link for her Instagram account on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Kara is what's the most powerful book have you ever read? Oh, I've, I've been reading so much and there's so many great books that I've loved. Um, the most powerful book I've ever read, honestly, I know, I'm sure this has been said one or two times on your show, but rich dad, poor dad, because it's just that transition of more of an, an abundant life and abundant mindset. So that's a fantastic book, especially for new real estate investors. Awesome. The second question is what's the most transformational routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? The biggest routine that I do, I would say probably having a routine. So many people don't even have a routine. Mm -hmm. So now I have a very strong morning routine. Um, I'm not looking at emails. I'm not looking at Instagram first thing in the morning. Um, I'm up for at least an hour before I even tap into social media. And also I have really set time aside to have my weekends free. So I think that's been a game changer. I'm not answering as many emails and client phone calls on the weekends and really just taking that time to recharge spend with family and friends or myself. I think it's nice to have time to yourself as well. Wonderful. And last but not least, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? I would definitely say my mom. She is a huge inspiration. She is such a hard worker and she's helped me so much um, with my business. She's been my private money lender a few times and she is just such a hard worker. And she really instilled in me at such a young age the importance of being independent, the importance of learning how to support yourself, working hard. And if you work hard, you can accomplish what you dream of. Love it. Sounds like an amazing woman. So Kara, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing all your great insight with our, 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 you know, our listeners just appreciate what you're up to. So thank you for being on today. Thank you so much, Liz and Andressa for having me. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, Go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes.
If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.